Lenin's What is to be Done in the new Lars Lee translation. Chapter 5, the, quote, plan for an all-Russian political newspaper. Quote, the biggest blunder of Iskra in this regard, writes B. Krachevsky, Robochi Diello, number 10, page 30, as he accuses us of a tendency to, quote, turn theory into lifeless doctrine by isolating it from practice, unquote, quote, is its, quote, plan for an all-Russian organization, unquote. That is the article, uh, it's where to begin by Krachevsky. And Martinov backs him up when he tells us that the tendency of Iskra to disparage the significance of the forward march of the gray ongoing struggle in comparison with propagandizing brilliant and polished ideas is crowned by its plan for the organization of the party, which it sets forth in number four in the article, Where to Begin. Roboche Diello, number 10, page 61. Finally, in the pamphlet Eve of Revolution that we have just received, a publication of the, quote, revolutionary socialist group Svoboda that we know from before, El Nadezhdin has joined himself to the number of people who are indignant about the, quote, plan. The quote marks must be to express an ironical attitude. He tells us that, quote, to speak now of an organization stretching out from threads from an all-Russian newspaper is to propagate armchair theorizing and armchair work. It's page 126. That it results from, quote, writerism, literaturshchina, and so on. It should not surprise anyone that our terrorist is united on this question with the defenders of the, quote, forward march of the gray ongoing struggle, unquote. We examined the roots of this convergence in the chapters on politics and on organization, but we must note here that El Nadezhdin, and he alone, has tried conscientiously to enter into the train of thought of an article that does not please him, and has tried to respond to the essential points made by the article, whereas Roboche Diello has said absolutely nothing about the essential point, and tried only to confuse the issue with a whole series of demagogic remarks. As unpleasant as it will be, we must first waste some of our time cleaning up this Augean stable, like Hercules. A. Who was offended by the article, Where to Begin? We start with a bouquet of the expressions and exclamations showered on us by Roboche Diello. Quote, A newspaper cannot create a party organization, but just the reverse, unquote. Quote, a newspaper standing above the party, outside the party's ability to monitor it, and independent of the party, thanks to the existence of its own network of agents, unquote. Quote, by what miracle has Iskra forgotten about the actually existing social democratic organizations of the party to which it belongs, unquote. Again, quote, the self-proclaimed possessors of firm principles and of a plan to go along with them are the supreme regulators of the real struggle of the party and dictate to it the fulfillment of its plan. Very sarcastic. The plan drives the living and vital organizations into the kingdom of shadows and wants to call into life a fantastical network of agents, unquote. Again, Quote, if the Iskra plan was carried out, it would lead to the complete destruction of any traces of the Russian Social Democratic Worker Party that is now coming into existence. Unquote. 
Or again, quote, a propagandistic organ will become an autocratic lawgiver, impossible to monitor, of the entire practical revolutionary struggle, unquote. A quote, how should our party react to its complete subordination to an autonomous editorial board, unquote, and so on and so forth. As the reader will see from the content and tone of these citations, Roboche Diallo is offended. But it is not offended for its own sake, rather for the sake of the organizations and committees of our party, that Iskra allegedly wants to send to the kingdom of shadows and even destroy all traces of them. Sounds awful, doesn't it? But there is one odd thing. The article Where to Begin appeared in May 1901. The Roboche Diello articles appeared in September 1901, and it is now mid-January 1902. During these two five-month periods leading up to September and from September till now, not a single committee and not a single organization of the party has come forward with a formal protest against this monster that wants to drive committees and organizations into the kingdom of shadows. And yet, during this period, both in Iskra and in a mass of other publications, both local and non-local, appeared tens and hundreds of communications from all corners of Russia. How did it come about that the people we wanted to drive to the Kingdom of Shadows were not offended and did not even notice, while offense was taken by a third party? It came about because the committees and other organizations are engaged in genuine work and not in a play, quote, democratism. The committees read the article where to begin and saw that it was an attempt to, quote, work out a specific plan of organization that would enable people to engage in its construction from all directions, unquote. Since they knew very well and could see for themselves that not a single one of these, quote, all sides, would even think about, quote, engaging in construction, unquote, before they were convinced of the necessity and reliability of the architectural plan. They very naturally did not become, quote, offended at the audacity of people who said in Iskra, quote, in view of the importance of this issue, we have decided for our part to present to the attention of our comrades a sketch of a plan that will be developed in more detail in a book being prepared for the press, unquote. Given a conscientious approach to the issue, was it really possible not to understand that if the comrades accept the plan presented to their attention, then they will carry it out, not because of, quote, subordination, but from a conviction of its necessity for our common cause. And if they do not accept it, then the, quote, sketch, such a pretentious word, don't you think? will simply remain no more than a sketch? Isn't it demagoguery when you battle against a sketch of a plan, not only by denouncing it and advising comrades to reject it, but also by inciting people who are inexperienced in revolutionary matters against the author of the sketch for this reason alone, that he dared to, quote, hand down laws, act as a, quote, supreme regulator, in other words, that he dared to propose a sketch of a plan 
can our party develop and move forward if merely an attempt to lift up local activists to broader views, tasks, plans, and so forth is rejected not only because the proposed views are untrue, but also because of people being, quote, offended that someone, quote, wants to, quote, lift us up. After all, El Nadezhdin also roundly denounced our plan, but he did not descend to the kind of demagoguery that cannot be explained simply by naivete or by the primitive nature of one's own political views. He resolutely rejected at the very beginning any accusation against Iskra for wanting to place an, quote, inspectorate over the party. And for that reason, one can and must respond to the essential points of his critique, while one can answer Rabocce Diello only with contempt. But contempt toward a writer who lowers himself to cries of, quote, autocracy and, quote, subordination does not relieve us of the obligation to clear up the confusion presented to the reader by such people. And here, we can show to everyone very clearly the true nature of these catchphrases about, quote, broad democratism. We are accused of forgetting about the committees, of desiring or attempting to drive them into the kingdom of shadows, and so forth. How can we answer these accusations since we are unable to tell the reader almost nothing factually about our actual relations to the committees, unable for reasons of conspiratia, of movement security? People who throw out crude accusations that irritate the crowd have the advantage of us, over us, thanks to their recklessness, thanks to their careless attitude toward the obligations of a revolutionary who painstakingly hides from the eyes of the world those links and relations that he now maintains that he is establishing or is trying to establish. It is easily understood why we refuse once and for all to engage in competition with such people on the subject of, quote, democratism. As far as the reader who is not initiated into party matters is concerned, the only way we can fulfill our duty to him is not to talk about what exists now or what is now im Werden, it's German for uh, in becoming, but rather about a small part of what once was said and what one is now permitted to talk about as something in the past. The Bund hints about our, quote, pretensions to sovereignty, unquote, note one, and the emigre union accuses us of an attempt to uproot all traces of the party. Down in the, in the note, number one, Iskra number eight, answer of the Central Committee of the General Jewish Bund in Russia and Poland to our article on the national question. Back in the text, please excuse me, gentlemen, you will receive full satisfaction after I tell the public four facts from the past. First fact, note two. Down in note two, we purposely do not present these facts in chronological order. First fact, back in the text, the members of one of those, quote, unions of struggle that took immediate part in the formation of our party and in sending a delegate to the founding party Congress made an agreement with one member of the Iskra group about setting up a special worker library that would serve the needs of the whole movement. This worker library did not become reality, and the pamphlets written for it, tasks of the Russian Social Democrats, and the new factory law ended up abroad through an indirect path 
and through third parties and were printed there. Second fact, the members of the Central Committee of the Bund asked one of the members of the Iskra group to organize, as the Bund put it then, a, quote, literary laboratory. In connection with this request, they pointed out that if this venture were not successful, our movement could experience a serious reverse. The result of these talks was the pamphlet The Worker Cause in Russia, note three. Down in note three, by the way, the author of this pamphlet, Martov, has asked me to state that this pamphlet, like his previous ones, was sent to the Union with the request that its editor be the Emancipation of Labor Group. Owing to various circumstances, the author could not know at that time, February 1899, about the changes in the editorial board. This pamphlet will soon be republished by the League, which is an emigre organization of the Iskra Group. Back in the body text. Third fact. The Central Committee of the Bund, via a small provincial town, contacted a member of Iskra with the proposal to take on the editorship of the resuscitated Rabochaya Gazeta, and of course, the proposal was accepted. Then the proposal was altered. Simply a position on the editorial board was offered, owing to a new editorial combination. And this proposal was, of course, also accepted. Three articles were sent in. These have been preserved. Our program, containing a direct protest against various forms of Bernsteinism and the reversal of direction observed both in legally permitted writers and Rabochaya Musil. Our immediate task, uh, quote, the organization of a party organ issued regularly and closely linked with all local groups, unquote, plus remarks on the inadequacies of, quote, artisanal limitations. That's what's in that. And then the essential issue, which is an analysis of the objection that we must first develop the activity of local groups before taking on the creation of a nationwide press organ insistence on the primary importance of a, quote, revolutionary organization, that is, the necessity of, quote, bringing organization, discipline, and the technique of conspiratia to the highest degree of perfection, unquote. The proposal to renew Rabochaya Gazeta was not realized, and the articles were never printed. Fourth fact. A member of a committee for organizing a second regular congress of our party communicated to a member of the Iskra group a program for the Congress and proposed the Iskra group as a candidate for the editorial function of the renewed Rabochaya Gazeta. This, so to speak, preliminary step was then sanctioned both by the committee to which this person belonged and the Central Committee of the Bund. The Iskra group received notice about the time and place of the Congress, but since the group was unsure for several reasons whether or not it would be able to send a delegate, composed a written report to the Congress. The basic idea of this report was that the election of a central committee would not by itself solve the problem of unification in a period of such complete confusion as we are now going through. Indeed, it risked compromising the magnificent idea of creating a party in the event of another quick and devastating proval, uh, that's a mass arrest, which was all the more probable given the lack of feeling for conspiratia that reigns at present. 
It was therefore necessary to start with an invitation to all the committees and all the other organizations to support a renewed nationwide press organ that would genuinely link all the committees with an actual link and that would genuinely prepare a group of leader guides for the whole movement. And the committees and the party could easily turn the group created by the committees in this way into a central committee once such a group has grown and become strong. This Congress, however, never took place, owing to a series of provali, and the Iskra report was destroyed for reasons of conspiratia, with the result that only a few comrades, including the delegates of one of the committees, read it. Let the reader now judge for themselves about the nature of such methods as the hint about pretensions to sovereignty coming from the Bund, or Raboche Diello's thesis that we wish to drive the committees into the kingdom of shades and to, quote, replace the organization of the party with an organization for the dissemination of the ideas of a single newspaper. It was precisely to the committees, at their repeated invitation, to whom we reported about the necessity of adopting a definite plan of common work. It was precisely for the party organization that we worked out this plan in the articles intended for Rabochaya Gazeta and in the report to the scheduled party congress, again at the invitation of those who had such an influential position in the party that they took upon themselves the initiative of what was, in actuality, its restoration. And only after these attempts of the party organization together with us to renew an authorized central organ of the party failed twice did we consider it our responsibility to come out with an unauthorized organ so that when a third attempt was made, the comrades would have before them the known results of experience and not just vague proposals. At the present time, some of these results of experience are before the eyes of all, so that all the comrades can judge whether or not we correctly understood our obligations and what should be thought of people who try to mislead those unacquainted with the recent past. People motivated by irritation that, in one case, we showed their lack of consistency in the, quote, national question, and in the other case, their impermissible lack of steadiness in matters of principle. B. Can a newspaper be a collective organizer? The central point of the article, Where to Begin, consists in asking precisely this question and giving it an affirmative answer. The only attempt known to us to analyze this question and to demonstrate the necessity of a negative answer is by El Nadezhdin, whose conclusions we reproduce in full. We are greatly pleased that Iskra No. 4 raised the issue of the necessity of an all-Russian newspaper, but we cannot at all agree that the issue should be discussed under the heading Where to Begin. It is one of the tasks that are undoubtedly extremely important, but neither an all-Russian newspaper, nor a whole series of popular leaflets, nor a mountain of proclamations, can be the fundamental beginning of a militant organization for a revolutionary moment, 
such as we now face. What is necessary is to set to work building up strong political organizations in the localities. We have none of these at present, since in Russia, revolutionary work took place mainly among the intelligentnie workers, while the masses almost exclusively conducted an economic struggle. If strong revolutionary organizations are not cultivated in the localities, what significance does an all-Russian newspaper have, no matter how well it has been set up? A burning bush, itself a flame, never burning down, but also not setting anyone else on fire. Around it, and in fact for it, the narod, the people, will be recruited and become organized. So thinks Iskra. But the narod is much likelier to be recruited and organized around a more concrete task. Such a task can and should be a broad establishment of local newspapers. The immediate preparation of worker forces for demonstrations, constant work by local organizations among the unemployed, persistently disseminating pamphlets and leaflets among them, calling on them to come to meetings, to resist the government, and so forth. We must start up live political work in the localities, and when all Russian unification on these real grounds becomes a necessity, the resulting unification will not just be an artificial one existing only on paper. It is not with newspapers that one attains this kind of unification of local work for an all-Russian cause. This is from Eve of Revolution, page 54. Lenin again. We emphasize the sentences in this eloquent tirade that show most glaringly the author's incorrect appraisal of our plan and the incorrectness of his general point of view that is here opposed to Iskra. If strong political organizations are not cultivated in the localities, the best possible all-Russian newspaper will mean nothing. Well, this is absolutely correct. But here's the point. There is no other way to cultivate strong political organizations than by means of an all-Russian newspaper. The author overlooked the most essential statement of Iskra that it made before moving on to an exposition of its plan. It is necessary, quote, to call for the creation of a revolutionary organization that is capable of uniting all forces and guiding the movement not merely in name, but in actual fact, that is, one that is always prepared for the support of any kind of protest and any explosion, using these for the increase and strengthening of militant forces fit for the final battle. End quote. But now, continued Iskra, after the events of February and March 1901, everybody agrees with this, in principle at least, so that we now need a practical resolution of the issue, rather than just a principled one. A definite plan must be immediately put forth so that right now, from different directions, everybody can set to work on the construction. But we are again being pushed backward to a truth that is true, undisputed, magnificent, but completely inadequate, conveying absolutely nothing to the broad mass of those working in revolutionary organizations. Quote, cultivate strong political organizations, unquote. But that is not the point, esteemed author. The point is how exactly must we set about cultivating and later succeed in cultivating? 
It is not true that, quote, in Russia, revolutionary work has taken place mainly among the intelligent new workers, while the masses almost exclusively conducted an economic struggle, unquote. This thesis, in such a form, goes astray toward the contrast that Svoboda habitually sets up between intelligent new workers and the mass, quote-unquote. A contrast that is radically mistaken. On the one hand, in Russia in recent years, it was the intelligentnie workers who, quote, almost exclusively conducted the economic struggle, unquote. On the other hand, the masses will never learn to conduct the political struggle unless we help the leader guides of this struggle cultivate themselves. Both those leader guides from among the intelligentnie workers and from among the intelligenti. And leader guides like this are cultivated exclusively by systematic ongoing assessments of all sides of our political life, of all the attempts at protest and struggle made by a variety of classes and for a variety of reasons. Therefore, to talk about the, quote, cultivation of political organizations and at the same time set up a contrast between a political newspaper that, quote, exists only on paper and, quote, live political work in the localities, unquote, is simply ridiculous. It is Iskra who subsumes its, quote, plan for a newspaper to a wider, quote, plan for creating a militant readiness as we say, to support the movement among the unemployed and the peasant riots and the dissatisfaction of the Zemtsvo people and the, quote, indignation of the population against the arrogant czarist Bashi Bazooks. The Bashi Bazook is the lowest type of Ottoman soldier which would, who would live off of loot because they didn't get a regular salary. Feel like we got a lot of these fucking bashi bazooks around America these days, places like Fort Bragg and so on. But that's neither here nor there. Unquote. And on and on. And anyone acquainted with the movement knows all too well that the vast majority of local organizations do not even think of this, that many of the prospects mentioned here of, quote, live political work, unquote, have not once been carried out even by a single organization. For example, the attempt to focus attention on the growth of dissatisfaction and protest among the Zemtsvo intelligentsia calls forth a feeling of exasperated incomprehension from Nadezhdin. Quote, Good Lord, is this newspaper for Zemtsvo people? Unquote. Eve of Revolution, page 129. From the quote, Economists, the letter published in Iskra, number 12, and from many Praktiki. Under these conditions, quote, To begin can only be done by first getting people to think about all this, to get them to sum up and generalize each and every flicker of ferment and active struggle. At the present time of a lowering of social democratic tasks, quote, live political work, can begin only with the live political agitation, and this is impossible without an all-Russian newspaper that comes out often, and is competently disseminated. People who look at Iskra's, quote, plan as a manifestation of writerism do not understand the very essence of the plan. These people think that what the plan puts forward as the most appropriate means at the present moment is put forward instead as the final goal, 
they do not give themselves the trouble to think about two comparisons which were used for a graphic illustration of the proposed plan. The establishment of an all-Russian political newspaper, as the Iskra article put it, should be the basic thread. As we hold on to it, we will be able unswervingly to develop, deepen, and broaden this organization, that is, a revolutionary organization that is always ready to support any protest and any flare-up. I think we're talking here about holding a thread taut and using that as a guide or straight line to lay down bricks in a straight line. Now, please tell me, when the bricklayers put down bricks in different places of an immense and unprecedented structure, is it merely a, quote, paper exercise to provide a thread that will help them find the correct place for each brick? that shows the final goal of the common work, making it possible to put to proper use not only every brick, but every fragment of a brick, so that they join together with the ones preceding and following to form a completed and all-embracing line. And are we not, right now, experiencing a moment in our party life when we can have bricks and bricklayers, but precisely the lack of a thread that we can all see, that all can take up? Let them shout that by providing this thread, we show our desire to give commands. If we wanted to give commands, gentlemen, we would not have written Iskra, number one, but Rabochaya Gazeta, number three, as several comrades asked us to do, and which would have been completely within our rights to do after the events described above. But we did not do this. We wanted to leave our hands free for an uncompromising struggle with all pseudo-social democrats. We wanted our thread, if it was drawn out correctly, to become respected because of its correctness, and not because it was drawn out by an official organ. Quote, the question of uniting local activity by means of central organs runs in a vicious circle, unquote, Al-Nadezhdin instructs us. Again, quote, Unification presupposes the homogeneity of the elements, but this homogeneity itself can be created only by a unifying force, while this unifying force can only be the product of strong local organizations that at present are in no way distinguished by homogeneity. Unquote. This is a truth just as worthy of respect and just as indisputable as affirming that we need to cultivate strong political organizations. And it is just as barren. Any political question, quote, runs in a vicious circle, unquote, because all of political life is an infinite chain of an infinite number of links. The whole art of politics consists in first finding and then holding as tightly as possible precisely to that link that can least easily be knocked out of our hands, that is most important at a given moment that can best guarantee that he who controls the link controls the whole chain. Note 4. Down in note 4. Comrades Krzyzewski and Martinov, I call your attention to this shocking manifestation of, quote, autocracy, quote, unmonitored authority, quote, supreme regulation, and so forth. Just imagine, he wants to, quote, control the whole chain. Write a complaint on the double. Here is a theme ready-made for two editorials in Rabo Yellow, number 12. 
Back in the body text, if we had a detachment of experienced bricklayers who had learned to work together so well that they could lay bricks exactly where needed without any thread, and this is not at all impossible, speaking abstractly, then we would, no doubt, latch on to another link. But the trouble is that we still do not have any bricklayers who are experienced and who have learned to work well together with the result that the bricks most of the time are not placed according to a common thread, but completely at random and in such a fragmented fashion that the enemy will blow them away as if they were particles of sand and not bricks. The second comparison, quote, A newspaper is not only a collective propagandist and a collective agitator, but also a collective organizer. In this latter respect, it can be compared to scaffolding, erected around a building under construction. It brings out the contours of the building site. It facilitates relations between individual builders. It helps them distribute the work and look over the general results that are obtained by means of their organized labor. Note 5. Down in Note 5, Martinoff cites the first sentence of this citation, number 10, page 62, but leaves out precisely the second sentence as if underlining either his unwillingness to discuss the essence of the issue or his inability to understand that essence. Back in the body text, this looks a lot like a writer's or an armchair theorist's exaggeration of his role, doesn't it? The scaffolding is not needed after one starts to live in the building. The scaffolding is built out of inferior material. The scaffolding is put up for a short time and is tossed into the furnace once the building is completed, even in crude fashion. In relation to the construction of revolutionary organizations, experience shows that they can sometimes be successfully constructed without scaffolding. Look at the 1870s. But for us, at the present time, one cannot conceive of any possibility of constructing the building we need without scaffolding. Nadezhdin does not agree with this and says, quote, around it, and in fact for it, the Narod will be recruited and become organized. So thinks Iskra. But the Narod is much likelier to be recruited and organized around a more concrete task. Yes, yes, much likelier around a more concrete task, he says. The Russian proverb says, don't spit in the well, you may have to drink out of it. But there are people who are nothing loath to drink out of a well which has already been spat in. In the name of this same greater concreteness, what repulsive things had not been said by our magnificent legally permitted, quote, critics of Marxism, unquote, and illegal adherents of Rabochaya Musil. Our whole movement is crushed by our narrowness, lack of initiative, and timidity all justified by the traditional argument about, quote, much likelier around a more concrete task, unquote. And Nadezhdin, who considers himself to have a great flair for, quote, life, who condemns with special severity all, quote, armchair types, who accuses Iskra, believing himself witty, of seeing, quote, economists everywhere, who imagines that he stands high above the division between the orthodox and the critics does not notice that his arguments play into the hands of the narrowness that makes him so indignant, that he is drinking from a well that has been well and truly spat in. 
Yes, the most sincere indignation about narrowness, the most passionate desire to lift up people who kowtow before narrowness, is not enough if the indignant person is swept along without a rudder and without sail, in the same, quote, Stahini fashion as the revolutionaries of the 1870s, if he latches on to, quote, excitative terror, to, quote, agrarian terror, to a, quote, toxin bell, seems like that's an alarm bell, and so on. Let's look at this, quote, more concrete activity around which, as he thinks, people are, quote, much likelier to be recruited and organized. One, local newspapers. Two, preparation for demonstrations. Three, work among the unemployed. Well, from first glance, it is evident that all these activities were seized upon completely at random, haphazardly, just to say something, because no matter how long we contemplate them, it is ludicrous to see anything special that makes them appropriate for, quote, gathering and organizing. Indeed, this very same Nadezhdin says a couple of pages later on, it is high time to recognize the simple fact that the work carried out in the localities is extremely pitiful. The committees do not do one-tenth of what they can do. The centers for unifying local work that we have now are fictions, a revolutionary equivalent of a bureaucrat's formalism, a mutual granting of generalships. And so it will remain until strong local organizations grow up." Unquote. Along with some exaggeration, these words contain a strong dose of bitter truth. But doesn't Nadezhdin see the connection between the pitiful work in the localities and the activists' narrow horizon? The narrowness of the sweep of their activity, a narrowness that is inevitable given the lack of preparation of the activists, who remain enclosed within the framework of merely local organization. First, local newspapers. Has Nadezhdin forgotten, in the manner of the author of the article on organization in Svoboda, that the transition to a broad local press that started in 1898 was accompanied by a particular intensification of, quote, economism and, quote, artisanal limitations? And even if any kind of satisfactory establishment of a, quote, broad local press was possible, and we showed above all that it is impossible, except under very special circumstances, still, local press organs would not be able to, quote, recruit and organize all forces of the revolutionaries for a nationwide assault on the autocracy for guidance of a united struggle. Do not forget that we are now speaking only of the, quote, recruiting of the organizing significance of a newspaper, and we ask Nadezhdin, the defender of fragmentation, the same ironical question that he himself poses. Quote, Did we receive a legacy from somewhere of a force of 200,000 organizers? Unquote. Next, quote, Preparation for demonstrations cannot be set in opposition to Iskra's plan, if only because this plan, as it happens, includes the broadest possible demonstrations as one of its goals. The question, therefore, is only one of means. Nadezhdin again confuses things, since he does not consider that, quote, preparing a demonstration, up to now demonstrations take place in the vast majority of cases in a completely Stahini fashion, can only be done by troops that are already, quote, recruited and organized. And what we are unable to do is precisely <laughs> recruit and organize. Quote, work among the unemployed, unquote. 
Again, the same confusion, since this also is one of the wartime actions of the mobilized troops and not a plan for how to mobilize the troops. The extent to which Nadezhdin again underestimates the harm done by our fragmentation, our lack of, quote, a force 200,000 strong, unquote, is evident from the following. Many people, including Nadezhdin, reproach Iskra for the poverty of its information about unemployment, as well as the chance nature of its reports about the most ordinary occurrences of village life. The reproach is accurate, but Iskra is here at fault, not through its own fault. We have tried to, quote, draw the thread also through the village, but we have practically no bricklayers at all there, and we are compelled to encourage anybody who communicates to us even the most banal fact in the hope that this will increase the number of collaborators in this area and teach all of us to select, finally, genuinely striking facts. But the available materials usable for education are still so scanty that unless we make available what we do have on a Russia-wide scale, people will simply have nothing to learn from. Undoubtedly, a person who possesses even approximately the same talent for agitation and the same knowledge of the life of a peasant down-and-outer that Nadezhdin himself possesses could provide inestimable services to the movement by his agitation among the unemployed. But such a person is hiding his light under a bushel if he does not take the trouble to inform all the Russian comrades about each step of his work so that it will serve as an instructive example for those who in their mass have not yet been able to take up the new activity. Absolutely everybody talks now about the importance of unification, of the necessity to, quote, recruit and organize, but in most cases, there is no definite idea at all of where to begin and how to carry out this business of unification. Everybody agrees, no doubt, that if we, quote, unite separate circles, let us say, all the district circles of one town, then common institutions are necessary for this. In other words, not simply the common name of, quote, union, but actual common work exchange of materials, experience and forces, distribution of functions, not only by district, but according to specialty, across the whole town. Everybody will agree that a solid and conspirativni infrastructure will not repay its investment, if I can use a commercial expression, uh, if it is constructed with only the, quote, means, both material and human, naturally, available in one town district for the talents of the specialist cannot develop on this narrow scale. The same thing can be said, however, about the need to unify different towns because the scale of one locality will prove and has already proved in the history of our social democratic movement to be intolerably narrow. We demonstrated this in detail above using the examples both of political agitation and of organizational work. We must, we absolutely must, before anything else, broaden this scale of organization, create actual links between towns on the basis of regular common work, since fragmentation is something people who, quote, sit as if in a pit, as the author of a letter to Iskra put it, not knowing what's going on in the wide world, nor from whom they can find out, 
nor how to acquire experience, nor how to satisfy the desire for broad activity. And I continue to insist that this actual link can begin to be created only by a nationwide newspaper as the single regular all-Russia enterprise that can sum up the results of the most various kinds of activity and by so doing pushes people to travel without flagging along all the numerous roads that lead to the revolution, just as all roads lead to Rome. If we want unification more than in words only, then it is necessary that every local circle allot right away a fourth, shall we say, of their forces for active work for the common cause, and a newspaper will immediately show this circle, note six, the general outline, dimensions, and character of the common cause show precisely which gaps in the entire all-Russian activity are making themselves felt the most, where agitation is absent, where links are weak, what cogs in the huge general mechanism can be a particular circle fix or change for better ones. Note 6. Clarification. If the circle sympathizes with the tendency of this newspaper and considers it useful for the cause to become a collaborator, understanding by this term not just journalistic but any revolutionary collaboration in general. A note for Rabocce Diallo. Among revolutionaries who value getting things done rather than playing at democratism, who do not separate, quote, sympathy from the most active and lively participation, this clarification would not be required. Back in the body text, a circle that is not working yet, but only looking for work, would not then have to start off like an artisan uh, in one separate small workshop who does not know anything about the development of the, quote, industry prior to him, nor the general condition of the given production methods of this industry, but rather starts off as a participant in a broad enterprise that reflects the whole nationwide revolutionary assault on the autocracy. And as the working of each cog becomes perfected, and as the number of detail workers for the common cause grows, the denser our network becomes, and the less confusion in the ranks is caused by the inevitable provali the mass of the arrests. An actual link would begin to be created merely by the function of distributing the newspaper. If it really deserves to be called a newspaper, that is, if it comes out regularly, not once a month, like the thick journals, but four or so times a month. At the present time, any interaction between towns on matters vital to the revolutionary cause is a tremendous rarity. In any event, it is an exception. But if such a newspaper existed, this interaction would become the rule and would, of course, guarantee not only the dissemination of the newspaper, but also, what is much more important, an exchange of experience, materials, forces, and means. The sweep of organizational work would immediately become many times broader, and the success of one locality would be a constant encouragement to further perfection to a desire to utilize the experience of a comrade at the other end of the country without having to discover it oneself. Local work would become much richer and more many-sided than at present. Political and economic indictments gathered from all over Russia would give mental food to workers of all trades and all stages of development 
would give material and occasion for conversation and reading on the most varied issues, issues that furthermore are raised by hints in the legal press and by conversations in educated society and by, quote, shame-faced government communications. Each flare-up, each demonstration would be evaluated and judged from all angles in every corner of Russia, calling forth a desire not to fall behind the others, to do better than the others. We socialists are not at all averse to every kind of rivalry, to every kind of, quote, competition. To prepare purposefully what occurred the first time, just somehow and in Stahini fashion, to use the favorable conditions of a given locality or a given moment for changes in the plan of attack, and so on. At the same time, this enlivening of local work would not entail the desperate do-or-die stretching of all forces and risking of all members that is so often the case at present with every demonstration and every issue of a local newspaper. On the one hand, it would be much more difficult for the police to get to the, quote, roots, since they would not know in which locality to look for them. On the other hand, regular common work would teach people how to relate the forces needed for a given attack with the given availability of forces of such and such a unit of the common army. At present, almost nobody ever thinks about this kind of calculation since attacks occur nine-tenths of the time in Stahini fashion and would facilitate the, quote, transports to another locality not only of literature but of revolutionary forces. In the mass of cases, these forces are now bled white by narrow local work, whereas then it would be possible to transfer an agitator or organizer with any sort of talent from one end of the country to another, and there would be constant occasions for doing so. Beginning with a small journey on party business at the expense of the party, people would get used to being fully supported by the party, would become revolutionaries by trade, would make of themselves genuine political leaders. And if we genuinely succeeded in getting all or a significant majority of local committees, local groups and circles actively to take up the common work, we would in short order be able to have a weekly newspaper regularly distributed in tens of thousands of copies throughout Russia. This newspaper would be a small part of a huge bellows that blows up each flame of class struggle and popular indignation into a common fire. Around this task, in and of itself a very small and even innocent one, but one that is a regular and in the full meaning of the word common task, an army of experienced fighters would systematically be recruited and trained. Among the ladders and scaffolding of this common organizational construction would soon rise up social democratic Zheliabovs from among our revolutionaries, Russian Babels from our workers, who would be pushed forward and then take their place at the head of a mobilized army and would raise up the whole people to settle accounts with the shame and curse of Russia. That is what we must dream about. We must dream. I write these words and I take fright. It seems to me that I am sitting in a, quote, unification congress, and across me sit the editors and collaborators of Roboche Diello. 
And now Comrade Martinov arises and turns threateningly toward me, quote, And may we be permitted to ask, does an autonomous editorial board still have the right to dream without a preliminary polling of the committees of the party? Unquote. And after him arises Comrade Kerchevsky, who, deepening Comrade Martinov's philosophy, as Martinov himself had long ago deepened Comrade Plekhanov, even more threateningly continues, quote, I go further, I ask, does in general any Marxist have the right to dream? One who does not forget that according to Marx, mankind has always set itself achievable tasks, and that tactics is a process of growth of the tasks that grow along with the party, unquote. Ah, oh, just thinking about these threatening questions gives me the shivers, and all I can think of is where to hide. I will try to hide behind Pisarev. On the issue of the conflict between dream and actuality, Pisarev wrote that, quote, There is conflict and conflict. My dream might run ahead of the natural course of events, or it might attach itself to something completely off to the side. There, where the natural course of events would never go. In the first case, a dream does not lead to any harm. It might even support and strengthen the energy of a hard-working person. In such dreams, there is nothing that distorts or paralyzes the will to work. Indeed, just the opposite. If a, if a person is completely without the ability to dream in this way, if he is unable from time to time to run ahead and to view in imagination a complete and finished picture of the creation that has just started to form under his hands, then I simply cannot imagine what stimulus would compel such a person to undertake and bring to completion an extensive and exhausting work in art, science, or practical life. The conflict between dream and actuality will not lead to any harm. If only the individual dreamer seriously believes in his dream, attentively examines life, compares his observations of life to his castles in the air, and in general conscientiously works for the realization of his fantasy, as long as there is some kind of contact between the dream and the real world, everything will turn out fine. Unquote. This is the kind of dreaming, unfortunately, of which there is all too little in our movement, and the people who are most to blame are those who make such a big affair out of their sobriety, their, quote, closeness to the, quote, concrete, the representatives of legally permitted criticism along with those of illegal, quote, tailism. C. What type of organization do we need? From the foregoing, the reader will have seen that our, quote, tactics as plan consists in a rejection of an immediate call for a storming and in the demand to set up a, quote, correct siege of the enemy fortress. In other words, the demand to direct all our efforts toward recruiting, organizing, and mobilizing permanent troops when we mocked Roboche Diallo because of its leap from, quote, economism over to shouting for a storming, heard ringing out in April 1901 in Listoke, Roboche Go Diella, number six, it, of course, showered accusations on us of, quote, doctrinarism, of a lack of understanding of our revolutionary duty, of making appeals to caution, and so forth. 
We obviously are not in the least bit surprised to hear these accusations in the mouth of people without any foundational beliefs who think they can settle all arguments with a deep-thinking, quote, tactics as process. Nor are we surprised that Nadezhdin repeated this accusation, since he is someone who, in general, has the most sovereign contempt for solid programmatic and tactical foundations. They say that history does not repeat itself, but Nadezhdin is trying with all his might to do so. He zealously copies Chakev by denouncing, quote, revolutionary cultural uplift, shouting about, quote, the toxin bell of the parish church, about the special, quote, eve of revolution point of view, and so forth. He forgets, evidently, the well-known saying that if the original of a historical event is a tragedy, then a copy of it is merely a farce. The attempt to seize power that Chakev's preaching helped to prepare and that was carried out by means of a, quote, paralyzing terror that really did paralyze, had grandeur, but the, quote, excitative terror of the little Chakev is simply ridiculous, and especially ridiculous when it is supplemented by his idea of an organization of middle workers. Nadezhdin writes, quote, If Iskra ever managed to quit the realm of writerism, then it would see that these things, such as the letter from a worker published in Iskra, number seven, and so on, are symptoms that indicate that the, quote, storming will begin soon, very soon, and that to speak now of an organization stretching out by threads from an all-Russian newspaper is to propagate armchair theorizing and armchair work. Unquote. Observe the unimaginable confusion here. On the one hand, excitative terror and a, quote, organization of middle workers, together with the opinion that recruiting is, quote, much likelier to be done around, quote, something more concrete, something like a local newspaper. And on the other hand, the opinion that to talk, quote, now about an all-Russian organization is to propagate armchair theorizing. That is, to speak more simply and directly, quote, now is already too late. But according to you, most esteemed El Nadezhdin, it's not too late for a, quote, broad setting up of local newspapers, unquote. Isn't that right? Hmm. Compare this to the tactics and point of view of Iskra. Excitative terror is nonsense, and to talk about an organization specifically based on middle workers and on a broad establishment of local newspapers is to open the door wide open for economism. We must talk about a single all-Russian organization of revolutionaries. Such talk will not be, quote, too late, right up to the time when a real, and not just a paper, storming begins. Nadezhdin continues, quote, Yes, things are far from brilliant with us in the matter of organization. Yes, Iskra is absolutely right that the main mass of our fighting forces are volunteers and unprepared rebels. It is a good thing that you soberly present the situation of our forces. But why at the same time do you forget that the crowd is not at all ours and therefore it will not ask us? when to open military operations. It will simply start, quote, rioting. When the crowd steps forth with its stahini destructive force, it might overwhelm and crush those, quote, regular troops, 
for whom we were always intending to bring in a highly systematic organization, but never managed in time to do so. Lenin has added emphasis that I read there. Amazing logic. It is precisely because the crowd is not ours that it is senseless and unseemly to shout about, quote, storming this very day, because storming is an attack by regular troops and not a Stahini explosion by the crowd. It is precisely because the crowd might overwhelm and crush our regular troops that we must manage in time to keep pace with the Stahini upsurge by means of our work in, quote, bringing in a highly systematic organization to the regular troops, since the more we, quote, manage in time to bring in this level of organization, the more likely that the regular troops will not be overwhelmed by the crowd, but will take their place in front at the head of the crowd. Nadezhdin gets confused because he imagines that these systematically organized troops are involved in something that cuts them off from the crowd, when in actual fact, they are involved exclusively in all-sided and all-embracing political agitation, that is, precisely work that brings closer and merges into one, the crowd, with its Stahini destructive force, and the organization of revolutionaries with its purposive destructive force. Indeed, you gentlemen are shifting the blame that really belongs to you because it is precisely the Svoboda group that introduces terror into its program and by so doing calls for an organization of terrorists. And such an organization really does draw our troops away from getting closer to the crowd, which is unfortunately not yet ours and which unfortunately does not ask us, or rarely asks us, when and how to unleash military action. Nadezhdin continues to frighten Iskra. Obsessed with polemics, quote, we will overlook the revolution itself, just as we overlooked the recent events that fell on us like a bolt from the blue, unquote. This sentence, taken in connection with sentences quoted earlier, clearly shows us the absurdity of the, quote, special eve of revolution point of view concocted by Svoboda. Note 7. This is eve of revolution, page 62. Back in the body. This special, quote, point of view, if we speak plainly, reduces itself to this. It is already too late, quote, now to reason and to prepare oneself. But if that is the case, my highly esteemed foe of, quote, writerism, what is the point of writing 132 printed pages, quote, on theoretical questions, note 8, and on tactics, unquote, as you have just done? Down in note 8, incidentally, in his, quote, survey of questions of theory, unquote, El Nadezhdin made almost no contribution to questions of theory unless you count the following very intriguing passage, based on the, quote, eve of revolution point of view, unquote. Quote, the Bernsteiniad as a whole has lost its acuteness for us at the present moment, just like the question of whether Mr. Adamovich has proved that Mr. Struve has already deserved dismissal, or on the contrary, Mr. Struve will refute Mr. Adamovich and will not agree to go into retirement. All that makes decidedly no difference, since the hour of revolution has struck. Unquote, page 110. It would be hard to express more vividly El Nadezhdin's infinite unconcern about theory. We proclaim that the, quote, eve of revolution is here, and therefore, it, quote, makes decidedly no difference. 
unquote, whether or not the Orthodox managed to rout the critics. And our sage does not notice that it is precisely during a time of revolution that we will need the results of the theoretical struggle with the, quote, critics in order to carry out a decisive struggle against their practical positions. Back in the body text, he just said, uh, didn't you just write 132 pages? Don't you think it would be more proper from the, quote, eve of revolution point of view to publish 132,000 leaflets with the concise slogan, quote, beat them up. The person who least risks overlooking the revolution is precisely the one who regards political agitation aimed at the whole people, Visenarodny, as the cornerstone of his entire program and tactics and organizational work, as does Iskra. The people who were engaged all over Russia in weaving the threads of organization that stretch out from the all-Russian newspaper not only did not overlook the spring events, on the contrary, these people allowed us to predict them. These people did not overlook the demonstrations that are described in Iskra numbers 13 and 14. Just the opposite, they participated in them and were vividly aware of their responsibility to come to the aid of the Stahini upsurge of the crowd. And at the same time, through the medium of the newspaper, they helped all their Russian comrades to learn about these demonstrations and utilize this experience. Neither will they overlook the revolution if they are still alive, a revolution that demands of us, first of all, and most of all, greater experience in agitation, the knowledge of how to support, in social democratic fashion, every protest, of how to direct the Stahini movement, preserving it from the mistakes of its friends and the traps of its enemies. We arrive in this way at the final consideration that compels us to give special insistence to the plan of organization around an all-Russian newspaper, that is, by means of joint work for a common newspaper. Only this kind of organization will guarantee the flexibility needed by a social democratic fighting organization, that is, the ability to adapt immediately to the most varied and swiftly changing conditions of struggle, the ability, quote, on the one hand, to refuse a battle in an open field against an enemy with crushing material superiority when he focuses all his forces on a single point, and, on the other hand, to use the clumsiness of the enemy and attack him when and where he least expects an attack, unquote. Note 9, note 9, Iskra number 4, where to begin? Nadezhdin writes, the length of the work ahead doesn't bother in the least the revolutionary culturists who do not stand on the eve of revolution point of view, page 62. We note in this connection, if we do not work out a political tactic, an organizational plan that is definitely calculated on the expectation of work over a very long period, and also guarantees through the very process of the work itself, the readiness of our party to remain at its post and fulfill its duty during any kind of unexpectedness, during any acceleration of the course of events, then we are only pitiful political adventurers, only in Nadezhdin, calling himself a social democrat only since yesterday, could forget that the goal of social democracy is the radical transformation of the conditions of life for all of humanity, and therefore a social democrat is not permitted to be, quote, bothered by the issue of the length of the work ahead. 
back in the body text, it would be a huge mistake to create a party organization in the expectation either simply of an explosion and street battles or simply of a, quote, forward march of the gray ongoing struggle, unquote. We must always carry on our day-to-day work and always be ready for everything because it is very often almost impossible to foresee a shift between periods of explosion and periods of quiet. In those cases where this shift can be foreseen, we would not be able to use this knowledge for the restructuring of the organization since this kind of shift in an autocratic country happens with striking swiftness. Indeed, it is sometimes connected to a single night raid by the Tsarist Janissaries. And the revolution itself must not be conceived as a single act, as the Nadezhdins seem to imagine, but as several rapid shifts between more or less profound explosions and more or less profound periods of quiet. Therefore, the basic content of the activity of our party organization, the focus of this activity, should be the type of work that is possible and necessary both in a period of the most powerful explosion as well as in the period of the most complete quiet. Namely, the work of political agitation that is unified across all of Russia, that illuminates all sides of life, and that is directed at the broadest possible masses. And this work is unthinkable in Russia without an all-Russian newspaper that is issued very frequently. The organization that forms in and of itself around this newspaper, the organization of its collaborators, in the broad sense of the term, meaning everybody working on any aspect of its operations, will be ready precisely for everything, starting with saving the honor, prestige, and continuity of the party in a moment of acute revolutionary, quote, depression, and ending with preparing, setting the time, and carrying out the armed insurrection of the whole people. Indeed, consider a very ordinary occurrence with us, a complete proval in one or several localities. It's a mass arrest. In the absence of one common and regular task carried out by all local organizations, such provali are often accompanied by an interruption of work for many months. But given the existence of such a task common to all, then, even in the case of the most complete proval, a few weeks of work by two or three energetic people would be sufficient to link the common center to new circles of young people which, as is well known, arise extremely quickly even now. And when the common task, damaged by the proval, is visible to all, these new circles can emerge and link themselves to the center even more quickly. Now, consider the contrasting case of an uprising of the people, Narodnoye Vostanie. At the present time, probably everybody will agree that we should think about this and prepare for it. But how should we prepare? Not by having a central committee appoint agents to all the localities for the purpose of preparing an uprising. Even if we had a central committee, it would achieve exactly nothing by such appointments given present-day Russian conditions. In contrast, a network of agents, note 10, that had formed by itself around the work of setting up and disseminating a nationwide newspaper would not have to, quote, sit and wait for a watchword from the center about an uprising since it would be involved in the kind of regular task that would guarantee the greatest probability of success in the event of an uprising. Note 10, 
Alas, alas, again the horrifying word agent, the word that strikes so harshly the democratic ear of Martinov, escapes my lips. But I wonder why this word did not offend the outstanding leaders of the 1870s, but it does offend the artisans of the 1890s. I like this word because it clearly and sharply points to the common task to which all agents subordinate their thoughts and actions. If it is necessary to substitute another word, then I would just end up by picking the term like collaborator, journalistic collaborator, except that it connotes a certain writerism and a certain vagueness. But we need a military organization of agents. But if need be, those multitudinous Martinovs, especially among emigres, who love to busy themselves with, quote, mutual appointment of one another to the rank of generals, unquote, could say, instead of, quote, agent for providing false passports, unquote, Quote, the under-over-secretary of the Special Department for the Provision of Passports for Revolutionaries, unquote, and so on. Back of the body text, exactly this kind of task would strengthen links both with the broadest masses of the workers and with all the strata that are dissatisfied with the autocracy. And these links are of the greatest importance for an uprising. Exactly a task of this kind would serve to create the ability to estimate the general political situation correctly and consequently the ability to select the appropriate moment for an uprising. Exactly this kind of task would teach all local organizations to react simultaneously to the very same political issues, incidents, and events that trouble all Russia, to provide an answer to these, quote, events, as energetically as possible, as uniformly and expediently as possible. And is not an uprising, in essence, the most energetic, most uniform, and most expedient, quote, answer of the whole narod, of the whole people, to the government. Precisely this kind of task, finally, would teach all revolutionary organizations in all corners of Russia to maintain the most constant and at the same time the most conspirativni contacts with each other, thus creating the actual unity of the party. For without such contacts, it will be impossible to collectively consider a plan for an uprising and to take the necessary preparatory measures on the eve of its outbreak, measures that must be taken in the strictest secrecy. In a word, the plan for an all-Russian political newspaper, far from being a product of the armchair work of people infected by doctrinarism and writerism, as it may seem to people who have done a poor job of considering the question, is on the contrary a most practical plan for starting preparation for an uprising immediately and from all directions, while at the same time not forgetting for a moment our essential day-to-day -day work. Conclusion The history of Russian social democracy falls clearly into three periods. The first period embraces about 10 years, approximately 1884 to 1894. This was the period of the emergence and consolidation of the theory and program of social democracy. The advocates of the new tendency in Russia were few and far between. Social democracy existed without a worker movement and underwent, as a political party, a process of embryonic development. The second period embraces three or four years, from 1894 to 
1898. Social democracy makes its appearance in the world as a social movement, as an upsurge of the masses of the people, as a political party. This is the period of childhood and adolescence. With the speed of an epidemic, a wholesale enthusiasm for the struggle against the ideology of populism, a wholesale enthusiasm for going to the workers and for worker strikes was disseminated among the intelligentsia. The movement made huge progress. The majority of leader guides were extremely young people who were far from reaching even the age of 35 years that had seemed to Mr. N. Mikhailovsky to be some kind of natural boundary. Thanks to their youth, they turned out to be unprepared for practical work and disappeared from the scene with striking swiftness. But the scope of their work for the most part was very broad. Many of them started to think in a revolutionary way as supporters of Narodnaya Volyaism. Practically all of them in their early youth bowed with great respect before the heroes of terror. The rejection of the charisma of this heroic tradition was at the cost of a personal struggle, coupled with a break with those people who were determined at all costs to remain loyal to Narodnaya Volia, people that the young social democrats greatly respected. The struggle compelled them to study, to read illegal writings of all tendencies, to engage intensively with the issues brought up by legally permitted populism. The social democrats who were educated in this struggle went to the worker movement, quote, not for a minute, either the theory of Marxism that lit the world up with its bright light, or the task of overthrowing the autocracy. The formation of a national party in spring 1898 was the most outstanding, but at the same time the final deed of social democrats in this era. The third period is prepared as we have seen in 1897 and finally takes over from the second period in 1898. This is the period of disarray, disintegration, unsteadiness. It happens that during adolescence a person's voice breaks. And in the case of Russian social democracy, during this period, the voice broke and started to sound false. On the one legally permitted side, in the writings of Struva and Prokopovich, Bulgakov and Berdyaev, and on the other underground side, with V.I., who praised Rabochaya Musil, and R.M., this is R.M. Takhtarev, with Krachevsky and Martinov. But only the leader guides wandered about by themselves or went backwards. The movement itself continued to grow and make enormous steps forward. The proletarian struggle seized new strata of the workers and was disseminated throughout Russia, while at the same time also indirectly influencing the enlivening of the democratic spirit among the students and other strata of the population. But the purposiveness of the guides abdicated in reaction to the broadness and strength of the Stikhini upsurge among the social democrats, another type already predominated, the type of activist educated almost exclusively on, quote, legally permitted Marxist literature, a situation that became all the more intolerable as the stichinost of the masses demanded more purposiveness from the activists. 
the leader guides turned out not only to be backward in a theoretical sense, quote, freedom of criticism, and in a practical sense, quote, artisanal limitations. But they tried to defend their backwardness with all sorts of bombastic arguments. Social democracy was lowered to the level of trade unionism, both by the Brentanos of legally permitted Marxism and the Taylists of illegal literature. The credo program began to be carried out, especially when the, quote, artisanal limitations of the social democrats called forth an enlivening of revolutionary but non-social democratic tendencies. And so, if the reader scolds me because I went into excessive detail about the likes of Roboche Diello, I answer, Roboche Diello has acquired, quote, historical significance because it most vividly reflects the, quote, spirit of this third period. Note 11. I could also answer by using the German proverb, den Sack schlägt man, den Esel meint man. So I think he means the phrase, den Sack schlagen und den Esel meinen, which means like, imagine that you are guiding a donkey which is carrying uh, bags on its back, right? And, but you are hitting, you're whipping the bag and you're holding the donkey to make sure that, you know, when you should be holding the bag to make sure it doesn't fall off the donkey and whipping the donkey to make it continue to move, right? So you're doing the opposite of what you should be doing, in other words, right? Or in Russian, by beating the cat, you tell the bride to behave. Oh, Jesus. Not just Raboche Diello, but a broad mass of praktiki and theoreticians were carried away with enthusiasm for fashionable, quote, criticism, got all mixed up about the question of Stihinost, strayed from a social democratic to a trade unionist understanding of our political and organizational tasks. Back in the body text, not the straightforward RM, but precisely the weathercock Krichevskys and Martinovs are the genuine expression of this disarray and unsteadiness, of the readiness to make concessions to, quote, criticism and to, quote, economism and to terrorism. The characteristic of this period is not a haughty contempt toward practical work on the part of some advocate of, quote, the absolute, but rather the merger of a submersion in petty practical work with the utmost lack of concern in theoretical matters. The heroes of this period did not busy themselves with an outright rejection of the, quote, great words, but rather vulgarized them. Scientific socialism was changed from an integral revolutionary theory to a mishmash that, quote, freely absorbed the contents of any new German textbook. The slogan of, quote, class struggle not only did not push people forward to ever broader, ever more energetic activity, but served as a tranquilizer since, quote, the economic struggle is inextricably tied to the political struggle, unquote. The idea of a party did not serve as a call for the creation of a militant organization of revolutionaries, but justified various, quote, revolutionary equivalents of a bureaucrat's formalism, unquote, and a childish playing around with, quote, democratic forms. We do not know when the third period will end and when the fourth period will begin, although the shift is already presaged by many signs. We move here from talking about history to talking about the present and partly about the future. 
but we strongly believe that the fourth period will lead to a consolidation of militant Marxism, that Russian social democracy will emerge from the crisis stronger and in the full strength of manhood, that the rearguard of opportunists will be replaced by a genuinely advanced detachment of the most revolutionary class. In the spirit of calling for this replacement, and by way of pulling together everything said above, we can answer the question, what is to be done, with the short reply, liquidate the third period. That was the conclusion of what is to be done by Vladimir Lenin in the new translation by Lars T. Lee. I'm Fergal Schmudlock of the Kingless Generation podcast. If you'd like to support this project, which I think will continue with readings from other revolutionary theory, revolutionary history, and revolutionary intelligence and counterintelligence, that is, parapolitics, um, primarily primary documents, primary sources will be on this channel. So uh, stay tuned. We're going to expand this and, and keep going. And if you'd like to, you can support this project uh, by going to patreon.com slash irregnata or just search for The Kingless Generation. Thank you for listening.